Welcome, everybody, to the Tip to Tail podcast brought to you by Eastwind Stockco Consulting and Rockin' AF Taxidermy with your hosts, Bear and Chase, where you'll find conversations involving breeders across the country, including everything from insightful happenings to best practices and other industry news. Let's get started. All right, here we go. Second podcast. We, uh, Tip to Tail podcast with Bear and Chase. Here we are sitting. We got Chase Vasut. We also got uh, Jeremy and Lindsey McIntyre, McIntyre Farms on as well. So um, we got a really cool, cool podcast to talk about some of my most favorite stuff, which is fraternity stuff. Uh, if you know anything about me, you know how much I enjoy the fraternities and, and some of the, uh, some of the, um, critiquing i got of our last podcast was and i talked to chase about this is i, I need to explain a little bit more about what certain things are because surprisingly there's been a lot of people who aren't longhorn people that have listened to this uh, or listened to the last one at least hopefully they continue to listen and uh you know we talked about some things and that were common to us but weren't common to them so uh fraternity is uh something pretty simple right uh in our eyes for a lot of people it's probably a little bit more complex but uh, it's a it's a Longhorn show. It's a really simple Longhorn show, and uh, the McIntyres uh, fairly new to the Longhorn business and got in uh, really really strong and and participated in these fraternities and they got a really cool fraternity idea that they've been working on here and uh, and we're going to dive into it. So uh, welcome everybody and um, Chaser, how's it going out there? You guys frozen yet? Horrible, horrible. I a trailer hitch to bust ice today. Uh, we had negative temperatures, and I've got a strong rule of thumb. If it gets to my IQ, I stay inside. So at about 35 degrees, I'm on house arrest. So <laughs> no good. But, you know, it's older, I don't know. I say people up north must love their cows more than I do. If I had to deal with this every day, I'd raise llamas. Well, you and I both on that cold stuff. You ain't the only people, I promise you. There's people up north that that are in the cold that uh that don't like it either so you're 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 not the only people how, how are you guys doing up there in Millsap? doing good um it, it's definitely been an arctic weather comes through here i think i would take snowmageddon over this negative wind chill <laughs> yeah the wind's absolutely killer so all right well chase what's going on we just finished up the legacy deadline how'd that go down it went great. It went great. So we've got a strong lineup of cattle. We've got over 100 cows. So, um, you know, deadlines are always dealing with sales. And in our industry, these people's animals and their you know, their farms and ranches are second, third, fourth business in some cases. So uh, yeah, feel a little latecomers come in and, and appreciate the early ones. Yeah, so – and that's one thing that we've been really, really – uh stringent with on the legacy sale is the deadline stuff um you know we hammer those deadlines really hard as you know monday was the deadline not tuesday and um you know we we structure that way for for very not various reasons really one specific reason is we kind of work our way back right we we have the deadline of a sale and then um or, or i'm sorry the date of a sale and then we back up from that so Let's say the date is, you know, for the legacy sale is mid-March. Okay, we well, we want the sale catalogs in people's hands 
uh, by early February. Okay, so what's the production schedule on the catalog and the proofing? And we get with, in this particular instance, hired hand and work our way backwards from there. Okay, well, what about ad production? How's that work? And we walk our way back there. And really, we take it to the last possible day that that they need all this information in. And uh, and that's that's kind of how we come up with our deadline. It's not it's not irrelevant. Um, it's not just a random day we decide to choose. It's really we want to give everybody enough time to to get stuff in. I'll tell you a little story. Um, last time we talked about the uh, the legacy sale with COVID, and on when we postponed the legacy sale, we also postponed the uh, cherry blossom fraternity or the cherry blossom sale, which included the cherry blossom fraternity, and we pushed that cherry blossom sale back from mid April to to mid June. And the deadline for the for the fraternity was a week later from the postponed date that we said, hey, we're going to postpone it. It was a week later when it was the deadline. And uh, I still had people, I give them an extra two months, but I still had people call me panicking the day that stuff was due when they knew, you know, two months before that, hey, the deadline got bumped back. And, uh, you know, people just like the wait. People just absolutely like the wait. Yeah, they do. I mean, and, and you know, Jeremy and Lindsay were part of the uh, stocking stuffer sale that we did this year. Uh, Mike Casey, uh, KDK, the Sillers, Kurt Twining, Wayne and Joanna Manning. So, um, you know, they're relatively new, but kind of got to see deadlines. And that was just a straight online sale. Um, Yeah, I mean, with with deadlines there, like you talked about, I mean, our deadline for Monday, if we're not lotted, you know, our goal is to have it lotted Tuesday. If we're not doing that till Thursday, um, that could be a week of production. So instead of having a catalog out a month ahead of time, it's two weeks. And with the uh, good old postal service these days, you never know. Yeah, we've gotten we've gotten tanked by postal service before. There's heck, we got we had catalogs reaching people six months after the sale, and some people never even getting them. And you know, there, there's a lot that goes into it. I think you know, talking about photos, you know, a lot of people wait to the last minute to get photos. Um, you know, the deadlines tomorrow, they decide to go out today and take a photo and they get upset. They can't get a good photo. Um, well, yeah, right. So with, with the way that the deadlines typically work for spring sales is most of them are December, January. And those aren't really the, I know at least in the, in the Northeast, the Midwest out West, that isn't always the greatest time to take photos of cattle. Uh, so, you know, you really want to have those photos taken care of prior to you know to that particular deadline when you really start planning planning your your cattle out absolutely yeah i mean and good photos make the, the biggest difference in a sale catalog that's your first impression you get um as well as advertising we've talked about it before um you know you get monthly publications from various associations and you might look through them once or twice but you know, i mean Lindsay and jeremy i know y'all are big time pedigree readers how many times do y'all look through a sale catalog Constantly. So So do our kids. Yeah. <laughs> so you get your your pay per view is a little bit lower and your cost per view is a lot lower in a catalog. So um, you know, and then you know, we always last like a Mr. Irrelevant thing, but it's always the people who are either involved with the sale or closest to the people running the sale. <laughs> I don't want to call anybody about, but I got a lot of friends. I shouldn't say a lot of friends, I don't have a lot of friends, but I got friends that I want to <laughs> strangle when it comes to deadlines. Oh, I'll harp on people all the time. It's like the deadline's Monday and it's Thursday. And I was like, oh, crud, I've got a consignment. I guess I need to make sure she's registered. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, 
there's <clears throat> there's a lot of lot of sales coming up. There's deadlines coming up too. I don't have them off the top of my head. I know uh, Red McCombs is coming up. I know the Cherry Blossoms coming up. The Cherry Blossom deadline here, and uh, it's going to be in Virginia on the East Coast here. Uh, Red McCombs is down there in Johnson City, Texas. That's a gorgeous place. I, uh, I believe Fort Worth is already closed. Maybe it's not. It might, it I, think, might... I think their March 1st is the stockyard sale. But... On their deadline? Awesome. So they're still yeah. open. And uh, we have the Midwest uh, sale there. It's going to be in Joplin, Missouri. That's opened. Um, so we, we, have, we have some sales all across the country that are still open for consignment. So, um, but... Well, let's dive into why we're here. And, uh, you know, I want to formally introduce Jeremy and Lindsay McIntyre, McIntyre Farms. They're uh, located in Millsap, Texas, this west of Fort Worth there. So, uh, welcome, guys. Round of applause. Clap, 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 clap. Um, Thank you. So, I appreciate you guys taking the time to, to jump on and be our first official real podcast, right? Our last one was just Chase and I just kind of chatting it up. But uh, this is going to be, you know, we're going to get to talk about some stuff that. Near and dear to my heart, I, I absolutely love fraternities, like we explained earlier what a fraternity was, and um, we're going to dive into that a little bit. But uh, So tell us tell us, and tell everybody listening a little bit about you guys, right? Like uh, People that aren't Longhorn people have no idea how people get into the cattle business, uh, and people that are in the cattle business are, are always interested in how folks get involved and, and where they came from. So, so give us the rundown. How, how'd you guys get into Longhorns? Why Longhorns? Like, how'd you get here? So, um, October of 2020, we bought our place and we decided, um, you know, for that, that tax exemption, we needed to have a couple of head of cows. And so I've always loved longhorns. I've always thought they're just so pretty and, and just fun to look at. Of course, had nothing, no idea about them. So we bought our first two, um, from Stacy with Schumacher cattle. They got delivered. We had them here and the one that we bought was um, showstopper and she was bred at the time and um, and then we had a little bull calf as well and so we just started with them and a couple of angus as well just for beef um, but quickly we all fell in love with them and kidding including the kids um, you know wanting to, to love on them and try to hand feed them and so the passion for longhorns began and then we made the mistake of going to our first auction still and um, that was that was a blast. We had a we had a great time. Bought way too many cows, but I think everybody does that when they decide to get into this. <laughs> and what, what sale but was that? What sale we, did you guys go to first? Eddie Woods. Yep. Um, and so you know, as we sat there and kept bidding on these cows, and of course the kids were bidding on them and getting all excited, and then they all came home and offloaded in this big huge trailer. We just kind of looked at each other like, "What did we just do?" <laughs> um, however. We instantly got excited about them, learned about them, and we just knew this was this was an avenue for us, and we were going to do it right, figure it out, come up with new ideas, and run with it from there. And that's that's what we've done. Um, of course, you always buy your first set of cows that are the ones that you end up weeding out eventually over time, and but then you start going over to the ones that you are looking for to build your herd because it's a, a specific horn set or size or color. Um, and so now we look through our herd and it's, it's where we want to be. We're, we're with our you know, lead cows that we want to breed with colluder or bull um, and then add some other bulls in there just to have some progeny from them and, and kind of play science with everything. See what you get, the roll of dice. You never know. Absolutely. <laughs> 
the cool thing about y'all is normally people say normally like myself it takes me about 10 years to decide what i want to do um jeremy do you remember that first legacy y'all came to with the heifer shirt i do remember that (laughs) you didn't think we was going to talk about this did you oh no it's fine I remember yeah, this, well. this is a story that not a lot of people know. So, um, I mean, do you want to give your perspective on it, Jeremy, or would you like? I'll let you go with your perspective. So, because uh, I was we're, picking some hell, some hellacious cows. That yeah. was a good thing at, at fantastic prices. <laughs> so, um, and I still won money. So that was good. He, he did. So we uh, at the legacy sale, which we hold in Great Pine, Texas, at the Embassy Suites. Uh, Friday night, this is the first year we did it. We did a heifer futurity in a Calcutta. So the heifers come in and we sell the Calcutta, and that's kind of like win place or show betting, what you think they're going to do. Uh, well, Jeremy and Lindsay are there. I think I'll get the kids with you. And and they're bidding hot, right? Um, so Jax, he's throwing his hand up. He's like, bam, bam, bam. I'm like, cool, they're, they're really getting into this uh, Calcutta stuff. Well, that night they go to check out. <laughs> Jeremy writes his – I think y'all bought, what, five? Calcutta's? Yeah, maybe six. Yeah, somewhere in there. So, so he writes his check, and on the memo, it says six bred heifers. And he goes, when can I pick them up? I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like, and Well, your mom, your, your mom came in to us. We were sitting in the back yeah. room, and we were sitting there chatting. And Shanna comes in and says, hey, we got a problem. And uh, we're like, well, what's the problem? And she's like, well, this gentleman just asked for the health papers on the fraternity heifers. And I was like, we got a problem. And, and Chase goes, I'll go talk to him. And I, I mean, maybe you didn't say that. Maybe I said it in my head. I might have been like, Chase, go talk to that guy. And <laughs> Chase goes out the door. So I'm sitting in this room. Lane walks in. Lane Craft, one of our partners. And I'm like, what the hell do we do here? Um, you know, do we do we got do we find a contending bidder on the Calcutta and be like, hey, do you want it? But then they're going to be like, no, I don't want it because I would have only going to give. I would have gave. Two hundred dollars versus two thousand dollars. If that guy didn't run me up, like I was, that's where I was. And um, so, so Chase comes walking it. back in. Go ahead, Chase. So I'm like, okay, we're good. And I, I talked to Jeremy. I said, hey, you were you're bidding on the chance of what these heifers are going to do in the future. And he goes, oh, okay. So like, we don't get them. I'm like, no, sir. Like, we can make it right. He goes, but I can come by them tomorrow. I'm like, absolutely. He goes, okay, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> When you walk in the room, I, like I look at you, like okay, like how did that go? You're like it's fine, and I'm like you're shitting me. I'm sorry, you're kidding me. And he's like no, and I was like, well, that that's that's pretty cool because the Calcutta aspect is a little different for a lot of people, right? They they don't quite understand it at first, and uh, when they get involved in it and they start understanding it, it becomes a whole different level. And uh, and I can understand. I'll tell you a little story about the Millennium one year. Um, the Millennium Fraternity was in Glen Rose, Texas. It's the granddaddy of them all. They call them. It's the biggest fraternity. And, uh, so we were doing the bull side. And at that time, the bulls were run through Friday. So the bulls come in. And, and if you don't, if the Calcutta on your animal doesn't get bid on, then it's passed out. Uh, and typically for like $50 and the fraternity itself buys it. And so we're sitting there. And if you've ever been to Glen Rose, it's a big indoor arena and there's some st- stadium seating out to the left and right. And we had just some bleachers and some chairs in front of the 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 um, the sale ring, which was in the arena. And so this this couple is sitting way off up in the stands and this the, uh, their bull comes in, which I didn't know was their bull at the time, but their bull comes in and uh, my old man's there selling it, you know, and he hits there $50, you know, fraternity buys. And these people stand up 
from the bleachers and yell P.O. P.O. And uh, I knew what, so I take off running. My dad's already yelling at me on the mic to go talk to him and explain what's going on to him. And uh, got up there and explained the fraternity to him in the Calcutta, and they understood that. And as I'm kind of trotting back to the sale ring, I'm thinking, you know, why weren't they buying all these bulls for fifty dollars if they thought that's what they were buying? And well, um, and to Jeremy's credit, I mean, some of those heifers were bringing twenty, thirty thousand dollars. So six hundred and twenty-five was a hell of a buy. Yeah, he was getting some good buys. <laughs> and so it's it, what's cool about it is it's kind of on full circle because you know we've all you know, and that's just a funny story that I you know I guess the world or podcast utopia whatever Spotify thing this is on. Um, well, now, but so that was what three years ago. So now we've gone full circle, you know. And Jeremy and Lindsay have got looter bull, and they've got something called money. Well, let's let's talk. Let me back up a little bit there. So, I mean, you guys have a business background, right? So, and yeah. and you have a promotional. There's a there's an aspect to you guys that's really unique, and you know that people get in these cows for various reasons, and one of the things that that I enjoy that a lot of people, you know, don't necessarily get involved in too much is kind of the, the promotion side, right? How to promote them. So tell, for, tell us about your business background first. Lindsay, you want to start or you want me to dive into it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, so basically we were, we're in the environmental still cleanup business. Okay. So we've done that for many, many, many years and we got the opportunity, um, from a good friend of ours and, and to kind of invest in us years ago. And we went into a partnership and opened a division here in Texas. And, and we, we found a lot of success with that. And we ended up selling it back in 2018 uh, to a publicly traded company. And so we had to stay on with that company for just a little bit. And uh, we both have exited that, uh, that company now. And so, you could call it during COVID, kind of maybe getting bored a little bit, trying to find something that we could suck at and get good at, right? And that's that's another part that Lindsay left out on the Longhorns is is how we got into it. But um, you know, our, our future plans are to get back in that environmental cleanup business. Uh, that's what we know, and it's our livelihood, and and so we're going to find our way back there. Um, but like cattle, right? You you, you just got to live it and love it every day. Uh, really, no days off is is the way I look at our business. So, um, go, ahead. go ahead. Tell us about the promotional side. Like you guys, you guys like to promote, right? And so, so where mm-hmm. does that come from? Because there's that. That's not, there's there's people in the Longhorn business that do it, right? And they and they do it well. Justin Rombach's one of them. Uh, Bill Hudson, Narenda Valentine are another set of them, I believe. That the Legacy Group is another set of them. Um, there's there's other people throughout the industry, Daryl Dickinson, obviously, that have done really well in promote, promoting cattle. So so where does that come from? How do you guys, you know, what what drew you to that side? That's that's more Lindsay. I, I'm gonna let her talk about that. She's the marketing genius here. But but uh, we kind of came together on this Moneyball thing. But Lindsay, you wanna you wanna kind of go into that a little bit? Uh, I mean, just in in general with any business that you do, I learned over time that, you know, going to meeting with clients, I could tell them everything that we did, all of our services that I know they would be interested in and give it a week after meeting with them. They would call me and go, hey, do you you guys have frack tanks? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just told you that in our meeting one week ago. But what I quickly learned is that when I would meet with our customers, they had one thing on their mind, which was what their immediate need was. 
And so I was giving them too much information. So they turned me off. They weren't listening to half of what I said. They were just focusing on the one thing that they needed. So we learned that early in our business. And that's kind of what we did is we fed off of our customers and, and learned what they needed at the, at the time. And we focused on different things all the time. So we would focus on one service and just blast it like crazy. Then the next time we'd focus on something else. And we just kind of kept doing that. But the biggest part of it was staying in front of our customers, being with these people, getting to know their kids, their grandkids, whoever they are. The more personal you became with someone, the more they trusted you and the more business you got out of them for all these years. So it kind of led right into with, with Longhorns. We knew nobody in the Longhorn business because this isn't something that we did. So the only way I knew I would learn people is just to start doing it all, get involved in it all, start showing up at these auctions. We didn't have to buy, but for some reason we seem to always buy at every auction we go to. Um, and just meet people and then figure it out. Well, who's looking for, for this kind of cow? Who likes this kind of cow? Does somebody like this kind of horn? And you just you go with it. So I'm a picture person. I love to take pictures. So I'm always taking pictures of the cows and I'm going to share and put them on Facebook. It's amazing how many people love to look at longhorns, whether they own them or they don't own them. You get so much feedback from people, um, videos of them, something simple as, you know, them running to come get their feed, whatever it may be. A lot of people enjoy watching those things. And so marketing part of it, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it is easier um, because it's something that a lot of people are interested in. And the more you push it out there, the more people start realizing who you are. Um, well, and so go ahead. What, would you say, Lindsay, you know, I mean, Jeremy and I, we're meat and potato guys. We drive big Dodge Ram trucks, brush cars, <laughs> both got beautiful wives and all this. So when you, when you start looking at the environmental cleanup, that's kind of a small factor. I mean, cause I know y'all are dealing with government agencies and, state agencies and all that if you kind of look at the longhorn it's a smaller you know um percentage of the cattle in the united states so do you think you're you know with your environmental side working with various agencies and customers and all that on a smaller base versus you know national stuff did that help y'all on longhorn did you feel more comfortable or did you see that as a bigger challenge because I, I don't know the percentage i'm just shooting off the hip but i would say longhorns make up what three percent of the of the cattle industry in the united states no, yeah, absolutely. And that probably was something that made it a little more comfortable and a little more confidence in us is that we weren't dealing with something that was a worldwide type thing. Um, it, you know, it was a small type deal. And our business is, I mean, we can have customers all over the world, but we don't. We choose to just have our hand little handful of customers and, and work with them, but we do everything for them. Um, and so, yeah, it, it wasn't quite as shocking and oh my gosh, what did we get ourselves into? We're never going to be able to figure this out because it's not such a large-scale, out-of-control type whirlwind deal. Yeah, I think, I think it's a niche, right? Longhorns are a niche. Um, and when you find your niche, that's, that's where you can excel or you can, you can uh, you know, fail. Uh, but everything takes effort, right? Um, the, the biggest thing, I, I, let me tell you a quick story. When we started off with our Longhorns, we had these little pins that you could get at Tractor Supply, right? These little panels. And uh, it, it, was, it was kind of a shit show to, uh, to get your cows fed in there sometimes. Yeah. And so 
I was like, all right, here's the deal. When we open a new pasture, no more. Like we're gonna we're gonna get shoots and we're gonna build pens and we're gonna build fences and and I can tell you we spent a lot of money on fences and pens. Uh, you know, I, I'd say we're probably what, Lindsay, over a hundred thousand dollars on on that stuff. Uh, so when you look, sometimes cattle's not your most expensive thing. It's it's your setup, right? And then we bought a lot of cows. So then we looked at each other and went, wow, we, we need more land, right? So we got to get good at this. Uh, so we bought more land. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're trying to uh, grow hay, uh, right? You got to feed these cows. And so it just keeps going and going and going, which, which was fun for us. You're building something, right? You're building and building. And then you stop and you look and you go, okay, let's look at the maternal lines of all the cows that we want to buy and what we've bought look at our bull and how you put all this together, you know, and then now we can walk out in the pasture and go, it's, it's pretty much done. Right. Um, but th there's a lot of work in it, as you both know. Um, it's, there's, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of support staff, so to speak, right. It's not just the cows. There's a lot, there's a lot more that goes into it. And that, <clears throat> you know, that's a whole different topic when we start talking about operations and smooth operations and, and, and things of that nature. And it's just about kind of making making stuff a little smoother and, and running a little better because uh, there's a lot of things we can all do for enjoyment. Cattle are one of them, and, if, and you got to enjoy them. So um, so tell us about Colluder. How, how did Colluder come to be? Well, Lindsay, you, you want me to run with that one? Uh, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Well, in the the cool, the cool thing that amazes me about y'all is, like I said, you've been in very few years, but you recognize the power of genetics. A lot of people, you know, they spend four or five years just collecting pretty cows, and y'all are y'all are what yeah. four years in? Yeah, three. Yeah. Three. So, like, three explain like what that decision was, and you say, hey, we need a bull, and yeah, but like, give us the story of Colluder. Sure. So everybody wanted to sell us a bull, right? <laughs> so it was it was like wow. Um, and, and everybody thought this bull was going to be right the very next best bull. But I, I go back to, to <laughs> right Colluder here real fast. Is is he was the one that kind of stuck out for us uh, from the beginning. He was for sale. Daryl had him for sale. Um, you know, he's up in Ohio, and uh, we kind of looked around a little bit. Uh, I think Lindsay, uh, we, we were a big fan of fifty fifty, and uh, I think the Bolins had Sweetwater BCD for sale. And I think the second Cindy Boland posted it, Lindsay said, I want him, but he was already gone, right? So we were like, okay, struck out on that one. Let's, let's kind of keep looking. And uh, Kaluta was on, on our radar, and then we really got, you know, got down to a couple of other ones, and we kept coming back to Kaluta. And, and we looked at each other one day and went, there's really no flaws with this bull. Like, we can't find any. I mean, look at his mother. She's At the time, I think she was – she was over 100 inches, but she's now 110 inches tip to tip. She's a beautiful cow. And you're going, where, where do you find that kind of power right on the market right now? And really couldn't. And so it, it was a no-brainer at that point. So we bought him. And uh, Daryl's sitting down to us. And, uh, you know, we were, we were a little concerned on his disposition at first. And uh, he got off the trailer and uh, walked right up to us and let us love him. And then that was that was gold for us, right? So if we can't pet them and love them, then uh, we we don't want to put our name on them, right? So absolutely. Let me tell you, colluders colluders that way. Our kids and people think we're crazy. I mean, colluders two thousand ninety seven pounds. Um, they can walk right up to him in the pasture and give him a hug, and he'll lick them. 
I mean, it's 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 cool. Now, now they they're cautious, but uh, he's never done anything to make us think he's going to do something crazy, right? So, and his calves all have that same disposition. Um, Lindsay, you want to talk about him a little bit? I know she just fell in love with him. So, I think Kluter's going to be in our pasture forever, right? Well. And and for our non-Longhorn, you know, viewers, uh, you know, you, you think about Angus and Beastmaster and Charlay, like 2,000 pounds, yeah, whatever they do that at 18 months. Uh, you know, 2,000-pound <laughs> yeah. Longhorn is, I mean, he's in the top 1% of the breed in weight. Um, you know, you're talking about his mother. I think she's in the top five of the longest horns, longest horned cows in our entire breed. Um, and she was just voted the uh, the ultimate cow at the Horn Showcase with Silent Iron, right? Yes. Yep. 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 So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. he's just, uh, I mean, he just, it, like Jeremy was saying, we kept going back to him every time we'd look at Daryl's website. There he still was for sale. Um, we even looked at lease, leasing some bulls, and I finally just called Daryl, and I said, I'm just going to call him. I'm not going to tell him yes. I'm just going to listen to him. We're not going to make a decision right away. I just want to listen. Well, of course, by the end of my conversation with Daryl, I was like, how fast can you get him here? <laughs> and how many um, times did you have to charge your phone? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so he he got him here for us. We went and picked him up. Um, actually, at um, we picked him up from an, another breeder, and um, brought him home. He got out in the pasture. Of course, he's instantly chasing girls around the pasture and everything. And he just was calm and and gentle and kind of elegant walking through the pasture and i just i don't know i fell in love with him then and he'll be our bull forever and ever like jeremy said he's not going anywhere i could never tell him goodbye <laughs> that's for sure um but he's always just been very simple calm and just a sweet boy he will walk up to that fence because he knows you're going to love on him or if you've got trees whatever it may be um you can call his name as he's standing way out in the pasture. You can holler at him, and he's going to come up to you. He's just a big teddy bear, and I, I think that's a huge deal in the longhorn industry, especially being a bull, is having someone that gentle and that calm. Even our vet, our vet has worked on him a million times, and he's had to you know, sew his eyes shut for pink eye and, and things like that, and he's still just so calm takes his time, doesn't get crazy, and, you know, even the vet is just like, I can't believe this enormous bull is as calm as he is and as sweet as he is. Um, so he's just, he's got a big heart and all of our hearts, for sure. Yeah. Well, and on your, so, like you were talking about earlier with your customers, it's like, hey, you know, I can I can sit here all day and, and give you the spiel on everything we do, um, but you, you know, you want to focus on what the customers want and you develop that relationship. So y'all have, y'all have kind of taken the industry and seen the way bulls are promoted because I mean, honestly, up until last year when we started having, uh, you know, bulls like rule safari, sun lightning in a bottle, jungle gym, this kid rock bull that are, that are selling for, you know, well over the six figure ranges, bulls were kind of discounted in our breed. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean, yep. Cowboy Tough Checks, I think up until that happened at 165000 the stockyard sale was the highest selling bull we'd seen publicly. So, um, you know, when you go in, I guess y'all kind of took an assessment and said, hey, you know, this bull market is kind of a little weak. Uh, here's something that we want to do to start, you know, promoting these bulls. And y'all did something no one's ever seen uh, with Moneyball. So what, what kind of started that thought process? And I, can you explain to everybody that doesn't know what, what the Moneyball is y'all are doing with Cluter? Sure. 
So I'll start, Lindsay, and then I'll, I'll kind of kick it back to you. So yeah. again, Lindsay's the, the the marketing person here, but you know we we found colluder to be undervalued, and and a lot of a lot of these cows at times, I think you can get good value by looking for the undervalued, right? So he was discounted because he had broke six inches off of his tip. Um, when we bought him, he was a virgin. He hadn't bred any cows yet, um, but he was you know playing in the dirt one day and snapped six inches off off the tip of his uh, horn. And so he was discounted a little bit. And, and for some reason, people, I don't know why, I, I can't wrap my head around it, uh, they don't like that, right? But it has nothing to do with the breeding ability of the bull. So when you look at Colluder, you go, okay, he is now, you add that six, back, six inches back, he's over 90 inches, he weighs 2,097 pounds, he, he's beautiful black and white, throws tons of brindle, right? His dad's Jamaicaism, the, 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 the son of Silent Iron. And He's just amazing. I mean, his confirmation, he's got a straight back. His disposition, like we talked about, is great. And you go, man, this guy's undervalued. And so we're sitting there thinking, what can we name this, this thing that we want to do? What can we name it, right? And, and Lindsay's like, Moneyball. That's what it is. You know, if you're familiar with the Oakland A's and, and, and kind of that whole system. Um, but that, that's really where it started from. And uh, Colluder is just, like I say, he's, he, he's great. Um, Lindsay, I'll, I'll kick it back to you because this, this was kind of your deal. But um, be before I do that, I want to talk one more thing that just came to mind is when you look at the industry and, and the way semen is sold, I, I, I haven't been able to understand that, right? Coming from a different background, you come into this and someone wants to sell you a vowel half a cc of semen, that'd be $1,500, $3,000, right? So they're shifting the risk. To, to the buyer. And the buyer's going, well, okay, I'm buying this. I hope it works, right? Or you're going to go get embryos. Well, I hope they freeze, right? There's still a lot of things that can go wrong. And, and so I'm like, hey, I don't want to sell you anything that I can't put my stamp on, right? That the McIntyres can't say, I'm going to, I'm going to put my Dude, name on. I don't know how so some of y'all. That's where we came up with this whole money ball idea is, hey, if you, you can't really discount Colluder, in my opinion, because he's great. But you go, okay, your calf wins or your heifer wins, we're gonna we're gonna pay you out of our pocket because we believe in him. I think he's under he's undervalued. Um, and and when you see uh Colluder in the pasture every day, he becomes he's like our family, right? And so we want to give him his shot. And and that's the way we're not doing this for money, like you know, we, we can make money somewhere else. But it's like to get those genetics out there and help people with, with their breeding program. Is like, hey, I, I don't want to charge you crazy money, but, you're, you know, there is a fee to, to collect the semen, but I want to pay you if you win because that's how much we believe in. So we're kind of putting our money where our mouth is, if you will, um, and I don't see anybody else doing that. And so I hope everybody else will do it. I think it kind of, you know, changes the breed. It makes futurities a little bit more fun, a little more uh, competing uh, or comp competitions a little better. But, um, Lindsay, you want to – I'll talk too long, so I'll throw it back to you because this was kind of your thing. Um, it's, I think really it kind of stemmed from, you know, when we got Colluder, um, so many people just told us, oh, yeah, he's just another bull. He's just another bull. He broke his tail. He's just another bull. You're not going to get anything out of him. You'll get your calves, and that's about it. So everybody is, I shouldn't say everybody, but many people were just kind of downgrading the bulls in general and just that, you know, yeah, you get bulls and who cares. Um, so 
being the way that Jeremy and I are, we start going, okay, watch this. Let's do something yeah. different then. Yeah, hold my beer. Um, exactly. And we've always been that way in business and everything. And fortunately, um, it's we've been proven successful with having that kind of attitude. So we really just, like you said, thought, what can we do different? And that's how we came up with it. Um, and it, like you said, it's not that we're trying to flaunt money or want all this money to just come piling in. It's just the bull. Well, it's, so it's him. We love him. I want people to have what we have because why not? He's awesome. We love him dearly. Somebody else needs, because we're not going to get rid of him, but somebody else needs to love him dearly so, with the calves that he can put out on the ground. So like, so explain to me, Lindsay, like I'm, I'm a new breeder. I'm a breeder mm -hmm. now. So, Hey, I'm ready to AI my cows and I buy colluder semen or y'all got a nice heifer on the ranch. What, or a bull, like what, what, what is the money ball? Like I'm, you know, I, I'm new. Explain the spiel to me. Like why, why, why would I want to buy colluder semen or, you know, what, what, you know, what, what benefit do I get of entering these in the futurity? Um, so kind of explain the, the payouts and the process y'all came up with. Yeah. Um, so it, this all goes back to, we've been through plenty of futurities ourselves, put okay. cows through, they would do nothing. You know, we thought they were great and wonderful and they wouldn't even place Dude, or they I would place. But by the time you paid for them to get to the fraternity and you did your medical and all this good stuff and then they place and then you just, you get a $150 check. Um, so it, it was just like, man, there's gotta be something we can do to make this, to make this fun, to make it where people want to do this get something out of it, enjoy it, you know, just what, what can we do? What can it, what can it be? What can it take? So that's how we came up with, okay, five straws for 1200 bucks. You get five straws, do with them what you want, whether you want to reverse sort them, you want to just take a chance, roll the dice, you get five straws. And then in the years 2024 and 2025, those two years selected fraternities, if your heifer places uh, first in her class, then you get a uh, payout um, of fifteen hundred, and there's got to we've got minimums that they got to have in their class and things like that. And then if that heifer wins grand champion out of everything, you get ten thousand dollars. That's yeah. ten thousand dollars paid by us um, because we really think you can do it. I don't know why he can't he can't have the project on the ground that can can be a grand champion. Um, and then on the bull side, same thing, you know, first in class. And then if they win a grand champion, it's a $1,500 payout for the bulls. Um, so, so back up real quick. It's, it's 500 for class champion, right? If you're the class champion, yeah, it's, it's 500. 500. I'm okay. sorry. Yep. No, you're yes. good. And then and so, so you're, which that breaks down to like 230, $240 a straw. But I yeah. Something like that. In which you look at it, at some of these bulls that are out there, man, their straws individually are, you know, $500 a straw, and you get one. <laughs> um, yeah. So we didn't want to outprice ourselves, but we didn't want to cut ourselves low either in, in putting it together for people to just take these five straws, roll your dice, and do something fun with it. See what you can get. Put them with your best cows. Um, take that chance and, and see what it can do. And 
it also helped us in getting more progeny out there. We don't have a hundred head of cows. Well, so it was going to take us forever to get his progeny on the ground if we didn't try to get it out there to more people to participate. Not to mention, it helps the fraternities. Bring people into the fraternities and, like Jeremy said, make it a, a competition. Make people enjoy it and have fun and really push to be that winner. Well, and y'all, y'all recognized kind of what, what Colluder's problem was, and that was y'all are new and you're limited by the number of head. Um, exactly. You know, we, we look at some of these bulls. I mean, you, you go to Dickinson, uh, Daryl up there, DCCI, where y'all bought Colluder. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Drag Iron bred hundreds of cows. Um, you know, Jamaicanism, you know, he's, he's so integral in that, in that genetics. You look at Cowboy Tough on Loomis's herd, and these are bulls breeding hundreds. Well, you know, the proof is kind of in the pudding, and the more you have offspring-wise where y'all are limited to 20 or 30 head, um, you know, it's helping him get his name out there because if you know, somebody's going to buy this, well, hey, if I can win $10,000, I'm putting this semen in my best futurity mama. Exactly. And, and, and it rolls and goes. I mean, I, I think it was a genius idea, and, like, I, it's never been done. I, I don't know why. Cause it was, it's so simple, but, you know, we've been – the breed's been developed, what, since 1964, and here we are 80 years later, and it just happened. Well, and it's – it's Jeremy mentioned something, too, I thought was, was pretty profound of him to say is – that it, that's not necessarily proprietary either, right? Other other people can do this. Right. It's not something that, you know, oh, this is mine. Nobody else can do. I think, you know, with with what they've done with with this idea, what the McIntyres have done with the with the Moneyball idea, uh, and creating value in their cattle, right? Hey, like here, not only do you get a a genetic gold mine in Colluder, uh, but you also get an opportunity to really cash out and we talk about this and chase and i've talked about this off there and and i've talked about it with multiple people before is that you know um fraternities have really brought in an opportunity to profitize from your cattle uh, in ways that we really never had right prior to the prior to the fraternities and really these this this money especially in the last year and two that have escalated the 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 fraternity money um the only way to really profitize from the cattle were terminal. You either killed your cow and sold it as beef or you sold your cow. Um, and so a fraternity idea is to be able to generate revenue without having to get rid of your stock. And the money ball just exemplifies that, right? It's, hey, you can go you can go win 10 grand just because you raised a really nice heifer by this bull. Like nobody else is doing that. And, and you know, hat tip to you, round of applause, stand up and take a bow. Like, that is unbelievable to, like you said, put your money where your mouth is because you guys believe in them and it's a way for you to get him out there and really, you know, we got to test a bull to see where a bull's at, right? If you look at, in my eyes, probably the greatest sire in my lifetime was Rio Grande. And, uh, you know, in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, it might be a different bull. And generally as bulls pass away and their offspring, you know, they're still producing and whatnot, you really get a good, good look at them. But uh, and it's not fair to these younger bulls today that don't have those numbers on the ground. But what really helped Rio is a lot of people bred to him. And because a lot of people bred to him, uh, you know, you saw a lot of really good stuff because he had so much offspring out there. And it's, it, is, it is certainly hard to promote a bull when you're only getting 10 offspring a year. Uh, I, I'll make a side mark. I mean, Mike Young did that with Roscoe uh, and just simply with his herd. And I think that drove Roscoe's value and his semen value and his calves value. 
And uh, I mean, you guys are, are being able to do that with, with Cluter. And, and it happened with 50-50 too, right? Nancy Dunn was cleaning house at all these fraternities. Now, like you said, winning three, four, five, six hundred bucks, but a lot of people saw the quality of those calves, uh, and that that made fifty fifty even more famous. Um, so when people get to see the quality of colluder, you know, and then and then also, I mean, not only are you getting uh, a two thousand pound bull with a hundred and ten inch mama who was the ultimate cow, the LWC. I looked it up, Chase. She's number three on the list uh, on Is tip to tip. Yep, number three. So uh, you know, not only are you getting that maternal genetic package but you're also getting an opportunity to to not only get a good calf but uh to to walk away with a big check so that's that's pretty awesome who who all bought colluder semen you want to make a plug for them uh you know these are people that believed in it right i mean essentially uh you guys were fairly new with a new idea that's never been done and sometimes that's not taken very well in an industry that holds on to tradition and history um who who jumped in and bought colluder semen uh, the, the the very first ones that jumped in were were M7 and uh, Greg Cott. Um, both of those jumped in instantly. Um, I know Wayne and Joanne. I think they're still trying to figure out what uh, cows they want to put the semen on. I think they're still kind of working through that. Um, Greg has actually um, he had his two cows uh, picked out, and we were just kind of waiting on him to find out how everything went. I know he was kind of doing some reverse sorting and things like that. And so once we, you know, get some clarification on him to see if everything took, we'll we'll push them and announce them on how well they did. Um, we've had some other people that have bought them that have kind of wanted to stay in, um, quiet as to who they are, but there have been more that have bought. Um, and then uh, Diamond B has got some. Um, who am I else? Am I forgetting? I feel like I'm forgetting somebody else. It'll come to you uh, about midnight. It'll be like son of a gun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I heard, I, heard ten, I heard a ten thousand dollar reward. I'm like, can I get one of my steers pregnant? Yeah, like, we're gonna try this. <laughs> Trust me, we had a lot of long heart to hearts with my steers out here. So you had to take one for the team, buddy. Well, and the, and the people that you mentioned, you know, M7, uh, the Mannings. I mean, they they did extremely well this year with the fraternity money earners list. They were the exhibitor of the year with over forty thousand dollars won. They know what good cattle are, and, and the cattle that they want, to, and we'll have Wayne on a podcast here eventually because I want to talk to him about some of his thoughts. But, I mean, the calves that he's winning with, he bought his buns in the ovens, right? He didn't buy them at, you know, at side or full-grown full calves. Um, but he, you know, he went in there and, and bought the genetics, and so he understands that. Greg Cott's the same way. Greg Cott's done really well with Faturities. And Diamond B, um, who own Colluder's Mama, uh, you know, certainly understands that genetics too, and they're putting together a fantastic herd. They're buying, they're buying up some of the. I mean, I shouldn't say some of the. They're buying up the best in the industry right now, and uh, it's kind of a little gamesmanship, right? The people that don't want to talk about it or don't want anybody to know that what they're doing. And I get that. It's it's funny. Um, I mean, you talk to some folks and and just nosing around. You know, hey, what are you doing with this genetic? And uh, they don't want to tell you, and and I get it, and I understand why because they want to be at least a generation ahead. You know, they don't want to give up what they're doing necessarily right now. Hey, you can watch it, you can see it, you can see it in shows, and judge for yourself how it does. But um, I'm excited for you guys. I think it's uh, you guys had a a industry leading idea that in a decade from now, I hope it's replicated multiple times, and uh, that that it's it's real successful and people understand that because uh, it's. It's something that's never been done, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Appreciate it. 
Thank you. Hidden stuff. It's like, yeah, who's using them wants to be quiet. It's like the old timers at the bait shops. Like, where'd you catch that 12 pound bass in the water? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. So we let, we let polluter pasture breed, uh, some friends about some of their cows, right? In the very beginning. And let me tell you, those, those are amazing cows that they have. I, I kind of want to buy those back, those heifers, right? Um, but we have a pasture full of them and it, it's going to be hard for us to, to really figure out which futurities we want to put those in. Um, you know, it's, you know, I know you need to sell some cows or we need to sell some cows, but uh, Lindsay's not going to let me for a while. <laughs> well, <laughs> on those pictures because they're beautiful. And, uh, one thing I want to talk about here is the futurity value, right? That it brings. And, and Chase, you, you, you're going to know about this one. I'm going to tell the story on is uh, the cherry blossom last year. So we were looking for a brindle cow to put with colluder, right? Because it, it, it's just, he, he threw some beautiful brindle cows this year and we were going, all right, let's, let's find some more brindle cows to put him on different maternal lines. And so I was looking at Dancing Pearl that the Randolphs have, and they had her listed for $5,000. And I, I was about to call and say, hey, we want her. And uh, we didn't. So next thing I know, she's in the cherry blossom futurity. So I'm anxious to see how she does. And uh, all of a sudden, she wins her class, and then you guys post, hey, the outfit to sell her. She's selling lot number one tomorrow. I'm like, oh, wow, here we go. So I'm buying her. And uh, I think all that happened, right, like 24 hours later, she was going on the sale market. Uh, yep. So yep. she won her class. And, and so we got to that 5,000 number, and I looked at Lindsay, and I went, well, here it goes. So she went from 5000 We brought her home for 13000 So just by her winning that futurity and then being in front of people, she went from five to 13 And so that, that's what I think a futurity can do for people right, on the value of their cattle. Um, and she's in our pasture, and I love looking at her. And uh, she gave us a, a great, great cow this year. And, uh, you know, next year, you know, she's going to have a saluter calf. But um, we're excited about it. But that, I think that's what it can do. And, uh, you know, well, the interesting part is like, you know, Lindsay had mentioned, there's people who, who bought semen that want to remain nameless. And that's, that's what a lot of people do with bulls. And, you know, you won't see a bull come on in the industry until he's five or six when the owners have three or four calf crops. I mean, y'all, y'all got what one, one natural calf crop out of them. Yep. Working on your second. So, I mean, y'all, y'all invited everybody else in at the same time. So it's like, Hey, you know, you get in, it's, we, we want this bull's name out there and, you know, breed them to everything. It's not kind of a, we're going to keep it secret till, you know, we get right. what we want. It's like, Hey, y'all, y'all get better than us. We want it. Uh, yeah. And I haven't understood exactly. why the industry really, really sees a bull take off when they're seven years old, eight years old, right? Everybody's waiting to see what they do to me. Wouldn't you want to be on the front side of that? Yeah. I mean, that's where I want to be. I mean, that's where you want, yeah. right? You want to be on the front of that wave, you know, and that's, that's the marketing side of you guys is, is to, to be on that, on that wave. Yep, absolutely. So, and let me tell you, Dancing Pearl, to go back to her, that little bull calf, I think he's going to smoke some futurities. He's he's amazing. And uh, so kind of a shout out to them for, for her, but um, we're, we're excited about her little bull calf. So this is something that we not only want to do with the looter, I think we want to introduce other bulls into Moneyball as we move forward, right? That's, so, that's uh, an interesting anyway. idea right there. It is. Yeah, And then, Lindsay, you want to talk about, we may be running short here, but you want to talk a little bit about your, your idea with Moneyball later to bring this all in. This is some select uh, uh, sires 
I guess you could say. We, we got all the time in the yeah. world, so if you want to lay some new stuff on us, <laughs> throw it down. So, yeah, so kind of where we went with the whole money ball is obviously the, the 24, 25 maturities. See how it does, see how it goes. But my overall main focus, well, Jeremy's as well, is let's keep this going each year. But let, let's let's get some other sires in there. We can't just keep it as one sire forever. Um, you know, let's let's add some others to it. And then maybe at some point in time, we have an actual money ball for charity. And it's like the the you know the World Series. Everybody that's that's won and placed. Um, you know, this one year we're gonna have this big huge money ball for charity. They're all entered in, and who's really gonna win it now? Of course, you gotta up the the ante on it and make the prize a little bit bigger and better. But I think it'd be fun. Um, and and make it something that not only everybody's gonna race for that ten thousand mark, but now let's race for this the big World Series game. And and do something fun with that. And it maybe it's five sires that we deal with first or or maybe it's ten. I don't know. But I think it would be fun and and put it all together and it be a fraturity all of its own. The money ball fraturity all of its own. That um, would be really interesting. And have fun with that. And then it'd you're, be something that we do each year. So you're you're talking the, the, the offspring of these select sires. That's 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 the entire futurity. Yeah. Correct. That's awesome. I think it would be a lot of fun and make it a big event, make it, you know, get someone live to come play and, 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 you know, just, it'd be a big kickoff event, just like the world series is in baseball. It's the final show. This is give it all you got and have fun with it. I think that's something, something worth exploring and, uh, off the air. Definitely Chase and I are going to talk to you guys about that. Um, and, uh, no, I think that's, that's, crazy forward thinking right and that's really what gets our industry going especially on events like i i honestly feel that our industry is led by by two different paths one of them is the breeding path right like and and really the horn showcase kind of started that for this for this horn growth because we never really measured or talked about measuring cattle until 2000 when we started a horn showcase when the industry started a horn showcase and people started being rewarded for that um now there's always the question about and and for the people that are listening the horn showcase is a uh a, a competition event put on by the texas longhorn breeders association one of the uh associations within the industry and the concept of the horn showcase is is horn measurements there's a tip to tip measurement a total horn measurement and uh, I, I do they i guess they still do composite do they chase still do composite uh, horn yeah 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 they did it this year total horn and tip to tip. total horn and tip to tip for composite so um, and when people were starting to be rewarded for those horn measurements, all of a sudden horn blew up. And when I became ranch manager in 2009, the BL Rio catch it at the time was, uh, a 70 inch. I think she was four. Maybe she was, maybe she was three, 70 inches at three. That was a huge deal. And then she was an 80 inch four year old. And that was a huge deal. And then she was the first 90 inch cow. And that was a huge deal. And heck we got, you know, four and five year olds that are blowing past 80 and hitting 90 and we got a 110 inch cow. Yeah. So I'll say this, there's a measurement. It's not going to be made public yet. Um, but we, there's in our entire breed, which is cool. There's a four year, three month old cow. who I personally measured at 101 and three quarters inches. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah. But I mean, but like, 
Yeah, yeah. Holy cow! Like, <laughs> uh, there you go. Well, and that, and so when the okay breeding side, event side, you know the events, the uh, promotional side of the Longhorns is is really what kind of helps us take us to the next level because. You know, these cows are only worth what somebody's willing to give, but the promotional side of it really kind of puts the money to it. And that's talking with Bob Loomis, and we're going to have Bob on on the podcast. Bob doesn't know about it yet, but we will. Um, Bob Loomis is a Hall of Fame uh, reigning horse uh, trainer, breeder, rider, uh, and also fantastic top-of-the-notch industry-leading longhorn breeder. And so with Bob, um, you know, we started talking to Bob about some of the ideas that the reigning horse world had and bringing that into Longhorns and it's the promotion and that's the money involved. And when you can start, you know, one of the things with Longhorns is, you know, what's a cow worth? Is she worth 10000 Is she worth 100000 Is she worth 700000 You know, she's really worth what somebody's willing to pay. But when you start looking at money earned, right, how much money can they earn through these fraternities? If they can win, if a heifer can win 30, 40, 50 grand in her first two years of life, wouldn't that make her worth more than that? And that's that's where we're going with this potential and possible income opportunity. And the money ball and this extension of the money ball that you're talking about, getting other sires into it. And then this kind of premier sires um, idea that you guys have, this, this service sire idea, like, I mean, that can just grow. And, and that that's what grows the industry, right, is those sort of things because uh, then it's, it's not – participating for a blue ribbon and a couple hundred bucks it's it's winning some serious money that just drives the value of these cattle up because they can they can earn it um and and you know and and, you know the same token hats off to jeremy and Lindsay because like i said the the breeds have been a registry since 1964 here we are 80 years later or 78 years later and this idea first came up and you know, we can get stagnant being in the industry forever and ever and ever. It's like, what's a new idea? We can, like, should we do color-coded name tags at events? And then, you know, y'all are here, you know, three years into it, and you you flip this whole thing upside down on the the potential. So, I mean, that's that's where that's where we grow and do. So, I think y'all are y'all are a giant asset to the breed, and and we appreciate the ideas and. You know, and the and the friendship and the and the fun stories of when you bought the uh, high selling heifer for three hundred and fifty six dollars in the cow. I think she went for maybe three thousand. Was it three thousand? Yeah, yeah it, was, it, it was something like that. But yeah, yeah. Now, this isn't Facebook. I don't get that checked. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, and it's you know just like uh, the Metcalfs. You know, they put Iron Princess in Legacy last yes, year, and I told Jeremy. Of course, we were flipping through the catalogs, um, and I told him then, I'm like, I'm telling you right now, Iron Princess is going to win the Futurity. You watch and see. She's going to win it. I know she will. And he was like, man, I don't know. I need to see her. Of course, we get to the Legacy, and you see her for the first time, and I'm like, I'm telling you, hands down, she's going to win it. And look, she won it. She won it big. <laughs> and then, of course, we took her home. <laughs> and you got Absolutely. some spurs with it, too. We did. <laughs> well, we had some really good cattle last year's Legacy. Um, lot number one is still one of my favorites. Oh gosh, yeah. Well, but y'all, and you know, on the flip side, y'all can sign great cattle this year. So, I mean, again, in three years, you went from you know showing up and seeing the Calcutta, buying a few, then buying the Futurity winner, and now y'all are putting some in that I think that are definitely going to compete in the Futurity. So, I mean, I, y'all had the fastest revolution from start to where you are in three years. Anybody, I think I've seen. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been really it. enjoyable to watch you guys and. 
we, we just want to thank you so much for all you're doing for the industry, for the excitement that you're putting into it, for the promotion that you're putting into it. It's, it's only going to grow from here. Uh, and it's almost like a perfect storm, right? Like there's just, there's so much going on right now that I feel like, and it's just encouraging people to be, uh, to, to test the limits, right? Like what can we do? What can we do? Because, uh, you know, if you've always, if you've always do what you've always done, you always get what you always got. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we can fall into that as an industry because we don't want, you know, we're, we're, we're just, we become stuck on doing the same thing all the time and when something new comes in and it kind of tests limits and tests borders and and we realize it's not a terrible idea like it's not the end of the world and it really works it's it only just you know lifts everybody up rising tides lift all ships so we thank you guys so much we certainly appreciate it anybody have anything else to say uh no no, just want to thank you guys um the two of you have been a huge part of us as well um so we have much love and hats off to you too. Y'all, y'all helped us out a lot and just talking things through us, looking at our cows and, and just being really good friends. And that's kind of what this industry is about is, is just is making those relationships with people and helping everybody do better. Well, Why not? We appreciate you guys. When Chase and I started talking about the podcast, um, you know, we started thinking about people who, who we wanted to, to have on and that would, would buy into our vision, right? This is a new thing for the Longhorn world too. And uh, you guys didn't flinch, so. Well, yeah, and it goes to goes back to kind of flipping over the promotional tables. Who's the first ones that logged in and said, "Hey, we're in." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, there we go, Moneyball. We're in on the podcast. It's like I love it. Absolutely. No, I think I think this podcast is a phenomenal idea. I do. Yeah. Well, we're going to Joe keep, Rogan. What's up? Yeah. Well, we're going to keep it going because we enjoy telling stories and. Uh, we're, you know, Chase and I joke. We're, we like killing deer, but we're really good at talking. So uh, that's kind of where we are. And thank you guys. We hope you guys are, are safe in the cold and everybody has a Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll see you all shortly. Yeah. Merry Christmas to you guys too. All right. Thanks. We'll talk to y'all later. We'll see you. Thank y'all. Uh-huh. Yep.